It's good to see you all this morning. You know, the claim of being the greatest at anything is a really important claim. Wouldn't you agree? No. I want to talk to you this morning about being the greatest. So, it depends on what you are, okay? So, who was, who was the greatest fighter of all time? Anybody, anybody? Muhammad Ali. Well, Muhammad Ali claimed to be, he used to say, I am the greatest! That's what he used to say. I am, I wrestle with an alligator. I spy like a butterfly, I sting like a bee. That's what he used to say. Now, I think Mike Tyson was a better fighter myself, but there you go. I may be a bit biased. Or maybe one or two of the Irish fighters, Barry McGuigan was a good fighter. But we know that he was, for instance, he was the greatest fighter. What about the greatest, what about the greatest film star? Anybody, any ideas? Greatest film star? Who? John Wayne. John Wayne, of course. John, anybody else? Anybody else a suggestion? Or is John Wayne going to win anybody? Anybody else going to go? Denzel Washington. Denzel. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is a popular vote up here. Popular vote up here. Who? Who? Mel Gibson. Ah. Do you know I was once described as looking like a young Mel Gibson. So I, I'm giving Mel Gibson my vote. Amen. Let's close that. What about, what about the greatest footballer? What about the greatest footballer? No. One at a time, please. What about, what about Cristiano Ronaldo? Can we get a vote for Cristiano Ronaldo? No. What about Lionel Messi? What about Pele? Huh? Pele is the winner, yeah? Not, not, not Neymar Jr.? Neymar Jr.? No, no, Pele. Pele. The Black Pearl, he was amazing. Wow, what a player. Pelé was a famous footballer. Probably the greatest. I think Roy Keane was one of the greatest footballers myself. Oh, yeah. But then I would say that, wouldn't I? I mean, from Cork and all. Like, I like Tom's suggestion for the best actor as well. A Corkman called Killian Murphy. Look at more Corkers than that, like. Anyway. So the idea of the greatest, the best of my own personal favourite is that somebody recently went on Twitter, and I'll be careful because I'm on Instagram, an Irish MMA fighter went on uh, Twitter recently or on Instagram and described himself as the greatest of all time, the GOAT. And I thought you were a GOAT, all right, but it was the greatest of all time. You cannot claim for yourself that you are the greatest of all time. Yeah. Somebody else has to say it. Do you know what the Bible says? Let your praise come from somebody else's lips. Isn't that a good call? That a good call? So I want to look at someone this morning that Jesus said was the greatest. A person that he said was the greatest who ever lived in actual fact. He said it was the greatest person who ever lived. Who am I talking about? The person I want to talk about today is called John. He's also known as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. When we read the story of the Bible, we come across this character called John, and he's a bit of a weirdo. He's a bit kind of strange, he's kind of austere, and he's kind of very serious, and he's ascetic. He goes around in funny clothes of camel's hair, and he wears a leather belt. Not that I wear a leather belt too, as it goes, but he wears a leather, see, I'm just like John the Baptist. And he wears a leather belt, and he eats locusts. Not the leaf, not the plant, but locusts, insects. Mmm, looking forward to dinner today. The locusts and wild honey, that's what he ate. And he was a kind of a strange guy. He was, in essence, the last Old Testament prophet. He was the last person to carry out the message of the Old Testament. He was born miraculously to his parents, um, Zechari to Zechariah and his mother, whose name Elizabeth. is Elizabeth, thank you. Her name went out of my head for a moment. Uh, he was born to them in a strange way, and he went out and he preached this message that was strong, and it was sober, and it was serious. And when he went out, he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Oh, 
Some of us here today may even need to hear that. Mm. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I don't go to that church because they tell you to repent. The Bible tells you to repent. Mm. I repent all the time, believe it or not. Mm. This was John's message. It was sober, it was strong, and it was serious. And you know, we probably would never really preach like John, but you know what? The curious thing about it is that, for all of that, he was very compelling. His message was actually quite compelling. It says that crowds came from all over Jerusalem and Judea and the Jordan Valley, and they came out to hear John preach this fiery, firebrand message. He was curious, but he was compelling. And he told people the truth, whether they liked it or they didn't like it. And you know, the curious thing about it is that kind of made him charismatic. People were drawn to John. They were drawn to John, but he, because he told the truth. truth. Truth tellers are very charismatic sometimes. You hear somebody tells the truth, there's something that, you, as draw, that would draw you to them. You mightn't like everything they say, but you'd be drawn to somebody who speaks the truth. Mm. But by the time we get to the story of John, John has fallen victim to a guy called Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas has locked up John at, at, at his wife's request. Sure, the, the woman's always the one that is always the boss. She said at, his, at her request, John is locked up. He's in a, he's in a, a prison cell called Marcherus. Mm. And in this, in this fortress of Marcherus, he's locked up and he's depressed and he's doubtful mm. and he's distressed and he's discouraged. He's not in a great place. And then enter Jesus. Jesus begins to speak up. And when Jesus speaks about John, Jesus always has the final word. Jesus always has the final word. If you're doubtful today, if you're distressed, if you're depressed, if you're discouraged, I have good news for you. Jesus will always have the final word in those who commit themselves to him. Amen. He will always have the final word in your situation so long as you commit that situation into his hands. Amen. And so Jesus begins to speak about John. Some of John's disciples come to him and say, they say, Lord, John's kind of depressed, he's discouraged, he's distressed, he's not sure about what he's doing. And so John, Jesus begins to speak to the crowd about John. John can't hear Jesus. But he begins to speak to them. And this is what Jesus says. May God bless us as we read his word today. Amen. May it speak to our hearts and minds and our souls. May its truth open up our souls. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Lord, let your will be done. And your kingdom come here, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This is what Jesus said. And he said something very interesting about John. And then he says something even more interesting. This is the first thing he says. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. He was the G-O-A-T. He was the greatest of all time. He said, I tell you the truth, of all who ever lived, none was greater than John the Baptist. Now imagine the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the Old Testament law are standing there listening to this. And they go, what? That crazy loon outside in the wilderness shouting at people to repent. He was the greatest one who ever lived. He was, there was no one who ever lived who was greater than him. Hang on a minute. What about Abraham? Was he greater than Abraham? Jesus says he was. Was he greater than Isaac? Jesus says he was. Was he greater than Jacob? Jesus says he was. Was he greater than Joseph? Jesus says he was. Was he greater than Moses? Was he greater than Samuel? Was he greater than David? Was he greater than Solomon? Jesus says he was. He was greater than all of them. 
In actual fact, he was so much greater than all of the Old Testament. He actually, he's greater than all the Old Testament prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, whom we have huge books of, and even of Daniel. Daniel was like the poster boy of the Israelite nation. He was greater than Daniel because all of the Old Testament prophets were in the position where they would say, the Messiah is coming. But John was the one who was to declare that the Messiah is here. He's here now. He had the privileged position of all the prophets to announce the Messiah is here. He said, see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. And am I glad the Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world and my sins with him. But Jesus says something I think even more startling. Flick on your seatbelt for a second because this is what he says next. He says, yet even the least person in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of heaven, see I'm using them interchangeably, is greater than he is. Now the word kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same phrase, same, same term, they're completely interchangeable. Jesus uses them interchangeably, New Testament writers use them interchangeably. So he's not talking about people away in the glory and the by and by. He's saying those who have been born again into the kingdom of God are greater than John the Baptist. Amen. Amen. Greater than John the Baptist. You are greater than John the Baptist. What? John the Baptist, who pronounced the coming of Jesus, who announced he is here, who preached fire and blood and thunder. You are greater than John the Baptist. That's what the Bible teaches and preaches. It's what it says. You're greater than Abraham. Hang on a minute. You're greater than Isaac. Ah, you must be cutting me. You're greater than David. Lord, I just want to meet my David who will marry me. No, you're greater than David. Give me the heart like David. You've got a better heart than David. David wasn't born again in the way that you've been born again. You're not behaved. David wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit the way you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You are greater than David. You're greater than Isaac. You're greater than Solomon. Hallelujah. Are you with me? You're greater than all the Old Testament prophets. But you know what? You don't feel greater. You don't feel greater when I wake up in the morning and I stumble down the stairs and I head for the Nespresso machine like a zombie. I don't feel greater than John the Baptist. I don't feel greater than the cat at that stage in the morning. I don't feel greater. But but here's the thing. Am I going to listen to my feelings or Jesus' words? What are we going to listen to? Your feelings or Jesus' words? Lads, to me... Jesus' words win hands down. Would anybody give me an amen to that? Jesus' words win hands down. You are greater than John the Baptist. In actual fact, the Bible commentator Matthew Henry said this. He said, the person on the highest step of the law and the prophets is lower than the person on the lowest step of Jesus' redemption. Amen. You are so much higher than anybody, any Old Testament believer. You are so much higher. You're higher in position. You're higher in understanding. You're higher in experience. You're higher in knowledge. You're higher in terms of simple time. How can we say that? Michael, look at this. John the Baptist. What are you talking about? What are you talking about Abraham? What are you talking about all these famous Old Testament fellas for? What are you on about? Here's what I'm going to say to you. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet and he died six months into Jesus' ministry. He died six months. He saw one-sixth if you will, of Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist did not see the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, the miraculous captures of fish. He didn't see the healing of the, the raising of the widow's son at Nain. He didn't see the raising of Jairus' daughter. He didn't see the raising of Lazarus in the town of Bethany. 
He didn't see the descent into Gethsemane. He didn't see the crucifixion. But he didn't see the resurrection either. He didn't see the ascension of Jesus. He didn't see the falling of the Holy Spirit upon God's people. He didn't see the explosion of the kingdom of God all over the world that lasts to this day. So in every sense, you are greater than John the Baptist. Amen. And so therefore, we have a greater responsibility. Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, lads, you're looking at me very cautiously. <laughs> What's he going to come up with now next? Because I am only standing not on my opinion, not on my words, but on the words of Jesus who said the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Can I just get you to own something for a second? Is anybody here who would say, I have experienced the goodness of God, we sung about it, and I have been born again. If you would say, I have been born again, would you raise a hand? Would you push it up a little bit higher? Just say, I was born again. I was born again. See, you are greater than John the Baptist. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any chance we'd say it? I am greater than John the Baptist. Oh, no, we don't like to say things like that, but let's just say it. One, two, three. I am greater than John the Baptist. You are. You are. Amen. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, and from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. The kingdom of heaven is advancing forcefully. It's going forward. Force is being used to advance the kingdom and violent people are coming against it. And they, boy, did violent people come against it. They came against it in the first century. They came against it in the second century, in the third century, in the fourth century, and every century right up to today, the 21st century, people, violent people, are still attacking the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what Jesus said. They're still attacking. And surrounding Jesus while he was saying these things were the very people who would attack him. The teachers of the law, the priests, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who singled him out and crucified him and handed him over to the Romans. Those violent people opposing the kingdom of God were standing there. This is what he goes on to say. For John came, for before John came all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. They look forward to this moment. Mm. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 13, he said, many Old Testament people or many of the prophets and people from the Old Testament longed to see what you see and to hear what you hear, but they didn't see it and they didn't hear it. Mm. But you do. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. He said, if you're willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. It's an important term that Jesus uses there. Elijah was supposed to be the forerunner who would come just before the Messiah. Not the resurrected Elijah, but a new Elijah would come and he would announce the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus said, if John was who he said he was, then I am who I say I am. Because John was Elijah, Jesus was the Messiah. Are you with me? Yeah. Then he says, he uses an interesting phrase. A phrase you've read loads of times. If you've read your Bible and you should be reading your Bible. Amen. 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 A verse a day doesn't keep the devil away. Anyway, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Yeah. It's so important that we have ears to hear. Amen. What are we listening to? Mm. What are we listening? Because Jesus said, if you listen to me, effectively this translates as this. If you listen to me, you will hear and you will understand. Yes. It's that simple. If you yes. really listen yeah. to what I have to say, you will hear and you will understand and your life will be changed. Yes. Here's what Jesus said. He said, 
To what can I compare this generation? No, when you see the word this generation used there, it's in the Greek, this generation. Jesus is talking about the generation that he stood in. But he's also speaking about every generation since then. That, they, that this, if you will, is what they call the present continuum. It's the always generation. It's every generation. It's no different, no, than it was then. He says that they're like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. He says, what are we like? What are we like? He says, this is what we're like. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. Mm. We played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. You played, no matter what song was played to them, whether it was the, the happy wedding song or whether it was the sad funeral song, they wouldn't dance, they wouldn't mourn, they wouldn't respond. And in this story, if you will, Jesus is the singer of the wedding songs in this account. Jesus is the one who came and according to the start of both Luke and Matthew's gospel, angels came and announced good news of great joy for all men. It was good news and great joy. Where Jesus went, there was joy. There was crowds. There was gladness. There was deliverance. There was forgiveness. There was provision. There was healing. Everywhere he went, he brought joy. And when he Amen. moved around in his cavalcade, it was joy. Amen. He sang a wedding song. He pointed out about the Father. He Amen. sang to us a song that would appeal to our souls Amen. and said, Your Father in heaven cares for you. Amen. Trust him yes. and he will take care of you. That was the message that he came to sing. He sang a happy, Amen. joyous, a wedding song. Hallelujah. Yes. But the song, the funeral song, was sung by John the Baptist who said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came bringing blood and fire and thunder. He said the axe is at the root of the tree. He said that the, 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 the threshing floor was prepared and that Jesus was going to come with his winnowing fork and thresh the wheat and separate the wheat from the chaff. His message, if you will, was the funeral song. His was the, but they wouldn't listen really to either song. They wouldn't listen to either song. And it's so important that we listen to the right songs because what you hear is what you sing. The song you hear is the song you sing. Listen to children who are around negative parents. And you notice that after a while, the children become negative. The children start giving out and start complaining and start mourning and start complaining and start to see how everything is wrong. We had a rule in our house, believe it or not, when, we were ki when, when my, ki my kids were very young. The rule was this, we never complained about the weather. If you live in Ireland, that's a hard rule to keep, okay? We never complained about the weather. Do you know why? Because children don't give a flying fiddlers about the weather. They don't care. Ah, oh, look, it's raining. There's pools we can jump in. Hallelujah. And we're standing going, oh, no. But we didn't complain about the weather. And our kids never complained about the weather. They've managed to pick it up somewhere along the line. Not from us. In Ireland, you've a right to complain about the weather, but we chose not to. Because we knew that the song they hear is the song that they will sing. Yeah, and today, yeah. brothers and sisters, I know I referenced it the other night. I referenced it um, when I was speaking on Friday night. It's very important. What song are you listening to? Yes. What voice is going into your ears? Yeah. Because the voice that's going into your ears is not just going into your ears. It's going into your mind and it's reshaping you. It's going into your soul and changing what you feel and what you think. You know what it's like if you're, if you're listening to a song and you, your toe starts tapping because it's a nice lively song. And you're so, you can see that it begins to affect the way that we feel and it begins to affect the way that we act. You with me? Yeah. You see, I, I, I know this because about a year ago, I went through a period of what I would describe as spiritual heaviness. I went through a period of time 
two and a half, maybe three weeks long, where, where I just really felt heavy in my spirit all the time. And, and I, I began to feel, you know, I was beginning to wonder, am I becoming spiritually depressed? You know, I, I was praying, I, I was reading my Bible, you know, I, I was doing the right things, I think I was doing the right things, but there was a heaviness came into my spirit, and it came into my soul. And after this going on for about two or three weeks, um, I said to Elma one day, I said, Elma's my wife, by the way, um, uh, just in case you're wondering. Elma, I said to Elma, I said, darling, I said, look, would you, would you pray for me? I said, it's because I just have this heaviness all the time in my spirit. I just, I just feel weighed down all the time and I don't know what it is. And she said, I know what it is. You're listening to that depressing music all the time. <laughs> and I thought, what? She's right. Because for the previous couple of weeks, because I tend to gorge, if I like a bit of music, I tend to listen to it an awful lot. I'd begun listening, again, for the few, the, the, multiple times in my life, I began listening to an English folk singer called Kate Rusby. Has anybody ever heard of Kate Rusby? And uh, I began listening, you, you and me, come around, I'd say we're the only ones who know Kate Rusby. And, uh, and we, I started listening to Kate Rusby. But Kate Rusby writes the saddest, most depressing music you've ever heard in your life. Okay? So all of her songs are about tragedy and loneliness and separation and exile and pain and death and loss and so here I am cutting the grass at home with the headphones in my ears and as I'm walking along I'm cutting the grass and I hear he is dying and he is dying. you know or I'm there cleaning the toilets cleaning the toilets at home and scooping the toilets I can hear he has broken my heart again or I'm washing the windows and all I can hear is I wipe these tears from my eyes. Do you see how I... And when I was making the dinner, see, I do all the work at home. Like, but I'm going around, I'm listening to this music constantly and is any wonder I was depressed? I have a weight in my spirit. What are you listening to? I can't get away from temptation. What are you watching? Amen. Let's close the prayer. What was I listening to? What was the voice in my ears saying? What was the voice in my soul speaking to me? Telling me how to feel. Telling me how to think. Telling me how to behave. It's so important, brothers and sisters, that we listen to the right voice. Can I suggest there's no voice like the voice of Jesus? Amen. Amen? And the voice has to, the, the song has to be appropriate, if you will. You know, if you went to, if you went to a wedding, and at the end of the wedding, the, the pastor or the priest said, well, it's delighted, it's great to have Tanya and Mario. We announce them now, man and wife. Let's, let's go and celebrate. Let's have the closing song. And they start off playing the doors. This is the end. <laughs> this is the end, my friend. This is the end, my final friend. But well, that's kind of out of kilter. Or imagine, God forbid, you're at a funeral. Imagine you're at my, maybe my mother's funeral. Come on, I don't want to make too light of it, but just imagine my mother's funeral is saying that we commit, read his body into the earth, and we'll close with a hymn. Congratulations and celebrations when I tell everybody you're in love with me. You know, no, we're not singing it. No, no. This is a church, we do serious things here. You see the point? What we listen to has to be appropriate to our life and to our situation. But the point that Jesus is making here is that no matter what song they sang, people didn't want to know. They didn't want to hear. But at the same time, they still sang their song because their song was true. 
They spoke the truth. When Jesus, when, when John warned of turning from the judgment that was coming, he said something that was true. When Jesus said, your father in heaven cares for your every need, he said something that was true. Both the wedding song and the funeral song were right. And we need to have both songs, if you will, in our lives to keep us right. The book of Proverbs says, it's better to be in the house of mourning than to be in the house of feasting. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's more reality in the house of mourning. Anyway, let me move on. Let me give you an example. The tides turn regarding the truth and regarding people's loyalties so often. We live in a time, actually it has recently described, or has been recently described as a post-truth period. We live in a period where there's no absolute truths anymore, but every truth is a perceived truth. We refer to people having my truth. Are you saying, yes, I know that that is your truth. Very, very rarely. In actual fact, you can really rile people up if you start saying, yeah, but what is the truth? Oh, hang on, hang on a minute over here. We're not asking for that at all. People have so become so, if you will, taken up with themselves and with their own interpretation of reality. It's the internalization of, of the interpretation of the world. It's the psychologizing of people. It's a long story. You had to be there. But that's going on now. So you, you have to be careful that there's times when people will listen to your message, but it mightn't change their lives. Let me give you a good example. Here is Herod Antipas. Herod! Herod is a bad guy. Okay, you don't have to say him into that, but he was a bad guy, trust me. And this is what it says of Herod. Herod respected John, John the Baptist. Knowing he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. I wonder why. But even so, he liked to listen to him. Now what a statement you'd say, Herod, he respected John, he knew he was a good and holy man, and he protected him, and he liked to listen to him. What's not to love? Herod, we got you all wrong, you're such a good guy. But when push came to shove, when the tide turned, and it was Herod's reputation on the line, this is what it says Herod did. He immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. When the push came to the shove, Herod voted for Herod, not for John. He didn't listen to the song that John sang. He didn't listen. And you know, this morning I want to tell you, there's some people here, and you have your fingers in your ears, and you say, I am not going to listen to the song that Jesus is singing to me. He loves you. He wants your best. He wants to bless you. He's for you, not against you, and he wants to save you. Would anyone say amen? amen. Listen to the message of Jesus. And you see, the thing is, when it, comes to, when it comes to Herod, Herod was a very famous guy. He was a king and so on and so forth. He was very famous. But you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the end what life choices we make if we don't choose the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And, and his righteousness, good stuff, and all of these other things that you need for your life will be added to you. Could I just get an amen to that? Yeah, you with me? This is what William Law, a Christian, a persecuted Christian from a couple of hundred years ago, wrote this. He said, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen instead. It will make in the end no difference what you choose Instead, I didn't choose the kingdom of God. Instead, I choose my football career. I choose my work career. I choose my relationship. I choose my self-expression. Take your pick of choices. Whatever you choose, the best of luck. Because if you don't choose the, the, the kingdom of God first, it doesn't make a difference after that what you choose. Mm -hmm. It won't matter in the end 
when the day comes when we must give an account for our lives. And the day is coming, and I don't want to lay it on you too heavy, when we must give an account for our lives. Where will we be on that day? Amen. Where will we be on that day? Jesus said this, For John didn't spend his time eating or drinking, and you say, he's possessed by a demon. He says, but on the other hand, the Son of Man comes and he feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We want nothing to do with him. So no matter how they lived, no matter what they said, people always ended up interpreting, or some people always ended up interpreting what they said and what they did for ill. They will turn your best aspects into your worst. They will turn your best actions and your best motivations into your worst. And that is why we cannot cannot pay attention to whether people think what we have to say is good and right and great and hey man it's really cool for you the bottom line is this they kept on speaking the truth the truth of the funeral song the truth of the wedding song they still kept singing the truth and why because jesus said this he said wisdom is shown to be right by its results how we live the song we listen to, the wisdom we apply in our lives, will be shown to be right by the results that it produces. That simple. You reap, you sow. That simple. The results that it produces will show whether or not we have listened to the wisest words, the most truthful words, or God's word at all. It will show whether we've lived it and listened to it. The results will show. And Jesus knew what wisdom was. He was wisdom personified. There was no one wiser who ever lived than Jesus. He was the wisest who ever lived. How do I know that? Well, this is what Paul writes to the, the Corinthian church. He writes this to the church at Corinth. He says, to those who are called by salvation, that is all of us and those of us that experience the salvation of God, so that's us, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And I love what he says next. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. Hallelujah. God's foolish plan to send his son to rescue and redeem you and me is wiser than the wisest human plan because a human plan couldn't get him out of it. So what we need is we need God's word, we need God's wisdom, and we need God's truth because Jesus was the truth teller. And that, that falls out in two ways about the truth. One is we need to listen to the truth, God's truth, what God would say about us and what he would say about our lives. But we also need to tell the truth. And whether that is speaking and communicating God's message or actually being truthful in our lives. We need to live the truth because he was the truth teller. Here John writes in one in John 1:14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Full of grace yes. and truth. And this is where I just like to just tweak it slightly and say this. Truth. Without grace is destructive. Grace without truth is unproductive. So if we're all gracey, gracey, grace, everything's just grace. Oh, it's just all grace, it's all grace, but there's no truth in our lives. Oh no, everything gets grace, but there's no truth undergirding that grace. It is going to be unproductive in our lives. Oh no, I just, I've got the grace of God. We also need the truth of God at work in our lives. It also works the exact opposite way around. If it's all truth. How did I go to a Northern Irish accent? Can't help it. Oh, if it's all just truth, and you're going to get the truth, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and there's no grace in it, it is going to be destructive. Mm. 
It's going to be destructive. We need both grace. 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 We need both grace and truth. We need grace and truth. Jesus has, as always, the final word. He has the final word in your life and in my life. If we are committed and submitted to him, he will have that final word. You can choose, you can have the final word in your life, but ultimately, on the day of judgment, and I went to church to talk about judgment day, that's because the Bible talks about it, lads. On that day, Jesus will have the final word. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he will go, or he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. That's what he's going to say. That's what, that's what, that's what he's going to say. It's going, we're going to be in one of those two camps. It's going to be very binary. It's going to upset a lot of people. It's going to be right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil. That's what it's going to do. But Jesus has the final word. And do you know what I want to pray this morning? I want to pray that if we are sincere, we would say, Lord, have the final word in my life. Is that a good prayer to pray? Is that a good prayer to pray? Yeah. Can you stand with me for a second? Because this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away. Amen. Everyone who heard Jesus say that passed away. The empire in which he stood when he said that passed away. Every empire that has risen since then has passed away. Every person that has lived since then up until this current generation has passed away. But Jesus' word has not passed away away. Amen. I want us to pray a couple of things, if it's okay with you. I want to pray. I want to pray that God would have the final word in life. And why is that? Because Jesus is the greatest. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Jesus is the greatest. What is he the greatest? Come on, what are you talking about, Michael? He's the greatest. He is the greatest in wisdom. Mm. He is the greatest in truth. Yes. He is the greatest in his word. Yeah. He is the greatest teacher. Can I get an amen? Yes. He's the greatest healer, the yes. greatest provider amen. from his own parables and metaphors. He is the greatest shepherd, amen. the greatest door, the greatest gate, the greatest bread. He is the greatest deliverer. He's the greatest light. He's the greatest life. He's the greatest hope. He's the greatest savior. He's the greatest way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Are you with me? He's the greatest. And that's why we listen to his word because he is the greatest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we sing it? Can we sing Waymaker? Let's sing it together. Waymaker. Hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. In the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
Lord Jesus Christ, we know and we declare that you are the greatest. We know and we declare, Lord, that your word is the word above all words. We know that your name is the name above all names. We know that your wisdom is wiser than any human wisdom could ever invent. Lord, we pray, whether we are overjoyed this morning and full of blessing, or whether we are doubtful and distressed and distressed and distracted with troubles and trials, we pray, Lord, that you would have the last word in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.